Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, so good to see you. How y'all doing? Good. Good morning, isn't it? This has been great. I love it. Uh, it's been fun just to see, uh, the, hear, hear the worship songs. We're singing some crazy songs to hear one of our high school students, Lauren, on the harp. That was beautiful. Love it. It's great. Uh, it's really awesome. But to see also our kids uh, singing up here, weren't they great? Wasn't that really fun? And uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do I get one of those little drummer shirts? Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, uh, how do I get one of those? Um, I suspect the answer would be it's a perk of teaching Sunday school uh, to our children. And if you would like to get a shirt or a perk like that, you can teach Sunday school too. And, uh, you know, that's one of the perks. But really, the, the main perk is that you get to disciple our children to know and to walk with the Lord. And so that's really the, the great perk. But a uh, little drummer boy shirts would be great. I would love to see you all wearing them this year as, uh, as you just sense where God is leading. But anyway, it's really, really great to see you on Christmas morning. Thanks for being a part of our, our worship service, being a part of our time together. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Now, before we get started, just wondering, uh, just kind of, my, I'm curious, how many of you are wearing something that you unwrapped today? Uh, a shirt, sweater, shoes, Apple Watch, come on, don't be shy, all right? Not that many. Okay, maybe you just woke up, presents are still to come, maybe so, whatever, but just as we do this, remember, like, why do we do presents? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's, uh, it's part of that tradition of the three, the three magi that came and brought their gifts to Jesus. And so uh, we've picked up on that tradition as we give gifts to each other. But remember, it's all part of our worship. And as we gather together today, this is part of our worship. To, uh, to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the day that he was born. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's, uh, let's start this morning our service by reading the Christmas story. Throughout our Advent series, we've kind of been picking little uh, lines here and there. Mostly focuses on verse 10 and 11. But today we'll, we'll kind of back up. We'll read the story from Luke chapter 2. Remember, there's more stories. There's Matthew's account, uh, which is, talks about Joseph and, and uh, about the wise men. And, you know, chapter 1 of Luke is, is about, you know, about a year and a half before. It's more the birth announcements and that kind of stuff. But we will start... In chapter 2, verse 1, and read the story. And you might, if you're a, a fan of Charlie Brown Christmas, you will recognize this as Linus's speech to tell Charlie Brown what Christmas is about. So good for us to remember this as well. So let's, let's read this. Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Carnarius was governor in Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to their firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you, to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's a great story, right? And on the surface, on the surface, it's just an ordinary story, meaning just an ordinary place, ordinary town, just an ordinary couple, just having a baby. It happens every day. But underneath, it's quite extraordinary as you hear and you think about all that happened, all that God put into motion so that it would happen right here at this time and this place according to all the prophecy that had been spoken about it. So it's pretty amazing. It's about a Savior. But notice it was not just any Savior. It didn't just stop at Savior. It didn't just say, and a Savior was born because there had been lots of Saviors for Israel. They had plenty. I mean, starting with Noah, who was a savior with the boat, and then with Moses, and, and just keep going, um, Samson and David. I mean, they had had people that came in and saved them, saved them from the Philistines, saved them from other armies. They had plenty of those. And if the story stopped right there, if it just said a savior has been born, it would have been great, another person coming to save them from the Romans. But those extra words, a savior, the Messiah, the Lord, is here for you. It changes everything. But what if this didn't happen? What if this day didn't happen? If there was no Christmas, what would it be? What would we do? What would we still be trying just to try to, how do we figure out, how do we make sense of all this? How do we uh, have a relationship with God? And we probably, you know, what we'd learn a little bit from other scriptures or other wise people, we'd still be living in that. We'd still try to, try to be really on our best behavior and really be good to please God, hoping that what we're able to come up with, with our worship to him and our deeds and all that would be enough to get to heaven. But we'd be left guessing. We'd, we'd have all kinds of questions. Did we do enough? Were we faithful enough? Is God pleased enough in us? And so we'd have these questions. I, I, I suppose there's maybe some people here that are kind of wondering about this too. I mean, it's a nice story. 
But did it really happen? I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, part of it, yeah, I mean, just a baby born and all that, that sounds normal. But when it, when it gets to some of those other things, the angels, right, and the virgin, the, the young girl who's a virgin has a baby, like, this is not reality. This is not the world I live in. It doesn't happen. But isn't that the point? This is not reality. I agree, this is not reality. This is miraculous. This is where God, at this one point in time said i'm pulling it back i'm pulling back the curtains we're going to send in the angels any angel who's not on duty today you're going down there right we're going to make something special happen right and he he orchestrated all these things to happen because it was that special it's not it's not reality it's miraculous but some people uh, might look at this uh, maybe similar to Star Wars, right? A long time ago in a, in a galaxy far, far away where we love the story, we love hearing it, but come on. I mean, it probably didn't happen. And some people might say that with Christmas. Like, I love the story. I love, I love the story about Jesus. But, you know, all this is fine. But when it talks about him being the Christ, when it talks about him, you know, being the only way to God, I got to know about that. I think Jesus was a good man, he was wise, he said some good things, and uh, and I don't know about the the doctrine and the theology, but uh, I'm just going to try to follow his example, I'm going to be a good person, right, I'm going to be kind to others, I'm going to try to love others. I I suspect there's people here that say that, they're like, you know, Jesus is good, but, um, but I'm not sure about all of this other stuff, and you know what that is, that's just your theology. That's just your doctrine. You have created a doctrine that says, you know, I'm not in that bad a shape. I'm not that bad that I can't fix things myself by just being good, a good person. Uh, The world is not in that much of a mess that we need someone to come from heaven to save us. We can do that if we all get along and we love each other. We can fix things. But we're not in that much darkness that we can't find our way out. We're okay. I can do this myself. If Christmas didn't happen, uh, we could have a conversation on that, how we do that. But I believe that Christmas happened. And I believe that God changed all that. And he says, you don't have to guess anymore. You don't have to guess on how to, how to get to heaven, like what is enough. You don't have to guess on what kind of devotion or sacrifices or how, uh, how nice you have to be. I'm going to take care of all that. I'm going to show you how you can have this relationship, this eternal relationship. I believe Christmas changed all that and showed us what God wants. We see at Christmas, we see a God who cares, a God who is there, who sees us. He notices us. He hears our cries. He saw the pain. He saw the plight that we were in and saying, I'm coming to you. I'm near. I'm loving you. We see at Christmas that God invites us into his family, into a relationship with him for eternity. We see at Christmas what we need to do, what we need to believe in order to have this eternal relationship with him. And it all centers around Jesus Christ as our Savior. I believe it really happened. It happened on a specific day, in a specific place, with specific people, that God came in and did the miraculous this 
Christmas season, during Advent, we've been saying, behold, behold, let's look, stop and slow down, look and see what God is doing. And if your uh, last month has been like ours, like it has gone quick, right? And I'm thankful for these moments because during the week, that's been crazy. There's so much going on. But I'm thankful for these moments on Sunday just to slow down and just remind ourselves what this is about and why the story is so great and why we have Christmas, why God entered into our time and space and gave us this important day. I'm excited to remember why the angels left heaven and came to shepherds and just started praising God there in their presence. It's good to remember why this is good news of great joy for all people. And all of that comes together on Christmas Day that God gave us a Savior, Messiah, the Lord. So today, let's look at this. Let's just spend a few minutes just reminding ourselves why we have Christmas. Why is this day so important? That we see God's love in this day. We see that he gave us a Savior to save us from our sins so that we could have pure joy, that we have peace with God, that it all comes together and it's all centered around Jesus. So that's what we'll look at just in a few minutes together. So we'll look at kind of the, the problem, the promise, and then those results, all right? But first we start with the problem. Why do we need Christmas? Because there's been a problem. All right, we have been at war with God. All right, you, you might say, oh, Pastor, you're overstating it just a little bit. Uh, but we have been. We've been at war with God throughout the very beginning. We've been battling with him over our lives and who's going to take care of us and how we're going to live. Uh, through Scripture, we see different places, but I'm thinking in Romans and Philippians and Colossians. There's these places that we look at where it, just tell, it tells us, point blank, it says that we have been enemies with God, enemies with him. How have we been enemies? We've been kind, we've been good, we're smart, we're taking care of one another, but we're still told that we are enemies with God. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about peace. It's a great, we'll, we'll get to it here a little bit later on, uh, the beginning, but the beginning talks about this, we have peace with God, but then it explains, he says in verse 6, it says, but you you were still powerless when Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, so first we have ungodly. And then it, it keeps going. And it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we have these ungodly people. We have sinners. But then it gets worse. In verse 10 it says, for if we, while we were God's enemies... Well, we are reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Here in this passage, it talks about peace with God. It says, but you were ungodly, you were sinners, and you were enemies. But God died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He died for the ungodly. He died for the sinners. He died for the enemies. In Philippians 3.18, it says, for, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, this is what motivates me. This is what I do what I do. This is why I go out and I risk getting in jail and get beat up or right, cast aside. Because there's some people that are still living as enemies with God, and I, and I can't bear it. I want them to have peace. That's why I do what I do. 
And he says in Colossians 1.21, you were all alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You were enemies with God. And so we see this throughout Scripture that we have been at war with Him. And we're wrestling with Him. We're wrestling over who has dominion, who has supremacy, right? Who's, who's more powerful here? And it's funny that we think that we're wrestling with God and we're winning. Just because we have a good car, or we have friends, or we have our health, we think that we are winning. But we've been wrestling with God. Now, I happen to know quite a bit about wrestling with God because uh, many years ago when I was in junior high, I was a wrestler myself. I was, yeah, wrestled in, in junior high. Uh, I, I can't remember how many losses I had, but I think I only had two wins. You know, I think most of my memories were on my back, <laughs> which is not the ideal place for wrestling. You don't want to be on your back. But, you know, if you're not familiar with wrestling, here's the point. The point of wrestling is to confidently wear a singlet, like kind of overall shorts that are tight, and to get the other person into submission, to to lay them on their back for a a three count, or to outmaneuver them. Over three rounds, if you outmaneuver them, you get more points. Then at the end of the round, the referee holds both hands, and he might raise yours. Uh, I remember wrestling, and I remember not being great at it. But um, So I know a little bit about wrestling, but I know that as we wrestle with God, that here we are, we're trying to spar with Him, we're trying to uh, do our very best to get the upper hand on Him, but he, we will never, we will never beat Him in a wrestling match. We can't do it. But we keep trying, just saying, oh, I, I think I'm winning, I think I am, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. But all the while knowing that we're just enemies with him and we're losing. And so what does it say for those who continue to wrestle with God through their whole life? Uh, Hebrews 10, and he quotes a psalm. It's a psalm that, that is quoted throughout Scripture, but in Hebrews it says, this is what the end will look like. It says, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Not just enemies put on their back, but the enemies of God become the footstool of God. And the same thing that motivated Paul that says, I don't want anybody to be an enemy with God. I don't want anyone here to, to leave and to know that the end result is just not, you're just not going to lose. But it's, it's humiliation. Because we are not more powerful than God. So we have been at war with him, and we cannot get out from that. We cannot get out and, and, and win anything. They will never come the day, and when we're, we're standing, the referees holding their hands, uh, God's hand in ours, we will never have our hand raised. And so how do we avoid that unpleasant position? We're at the mercy of God. And that's what happens on Christmas. We see God's mercy being poured out on us because the problem is that we've been at war with him we are wrestling him but the beautiful thing is the promise that god gave us the peacemaker god gave us someone to bring peace to this time of war that's the good news that's the good news that the angels announced good news great joy for all people today in the city of david a savior has been born the christ the lord 
And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, laying in a manger. Those are big words. Those are big words ascribed to this baby. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And I, we, we hear it so often we don't even think about it. But when he says, and this will be a sign to you. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign. Go into the town and look for a baby in a manger. In a feeding trough. Trying to, uh, Mary's trying to keep the goats out of from biting his toes. I mean, that's, that's the sign? What about Andre the Giant? What about, this will be a sign to you, you'll see a guy that looks like Chewbacca. That's going to be the Savior. That we could agree with. I get that. But a baby lying in the manger. Okay, well, uh, maybe, you know, baby will grow up, become very big, you know, kind of have that superhero, you know, physique and all of that. But that's not the plan. The plan for this, this baby to grow up, to be obedient to the Lord and to be our Savior, to save us from what we need saving from. What, what do we need saving from? Uh, of course, the people of the day would say, we need to be saved from Rome. Right? I mean, we've had it. We're so tired of this. You know, Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Greece and uh, uh, probably Egypt in there. And now Rome, like enough already. Save us from all these people that are occupying our land. And if he was a savior only for Israel, maybe that would happen. And that's what happened in the Old Testament with all these other judges and all that. That's what they did. But this is a savior for what? All people for the world. He has his sights on something far bigger than just the Roman occupation. What he's saving us from is our sin. He's saving us from our sin. And Jesus came to say, I'm the one that will save you from your sin. See, every other world leader you know, when we look, not world leader, but like world religions, you know, we look at those leaders, uh, Buddha, Muhammad, and so forth. Like all of them are, they're, they're, they're saying, look, do this. I'm going to show you what to do. I'll show you how to please God. If you do these things and go these places and these pilgrimages and all that, that will please God. Or uh, I'll show you how to detach and, and um, kind of detach from all this and so that you can find enlightenment. Just follow this example. But Jesus didn't say, I'm going to show you, I'll tell you what to do, and you do these 10 steps and you'll find peace with God. He says, I'm the way. I'm the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not by my example, not by my words, but through me. Jesus does something totally different. But he came to save us from our sins, right? It says this in Matthew, in the, in the story with Matthew, when, when the angel came to Joseph, remember Joseph's like, just heard that his, his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant. Okay, that's scandalous. He said, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But the angel came, and remember what the angel said to him? He said that she will give birth to a son. You will give him the name of Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, here's a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. That was Paul talking. 
Why did Jesus come? To save sinners. To save us from what we needed. The sin that held us down. The sin that separated us from from God. The sin that kept us in rebellion against God. Jesus Christ came to be our Savior to save us from our sins. You know, it's like when you think about, like, what pulls you towards Jesus? What's, what's pulling you? Uh, or for some of you, what's pulling you away? What's keeping you away? The answer is the same. It's the sin. For some of us that are being pulled towards Jesus, we've recognized, like, oh, man, I am a mess. And I've got this sin. I've got these, uh, this, this um, you know, whatever it is, all my anger, all my rebellion, all the ways that I've worshipped other things. And what's drawing me is that here's a God that loves me and that's forgiving me from my sin, and I'm drawn towards that. But others are just saying the same, same thing. But oh, sin, sin, all this talk about sin, come on now. I'm not that bad. I don't need all that. I don't need that kind of help. God says, oh, I see it otherwise. I think you do. There's an author, old author, Matthew Mead. He wrote a book called Almost Christian. It's a dialogue of him uh, talking to someone who is almost a Christian, right? I mean, they, they thought they were a Christian, but they, they didn't understand this concept of sin. They thought, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm, this, I live in this country, I'm a good person, you know? I feel like I'm a Christian. But he says this, he said, As long as sin is unseen, Christ will be unsought. As long as sin is unseen, Christ will be unsought. If we don't understand, if we're not convinced that I am a sinner, I will never seek a Savior to find me. Christmas tells us that we are sinners. But God has loved these enemies and these sinners, right? He's loved them and he's given us what we need most, a Savior. I love that. There's a line in the song, the Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Maybe you've heard it a few times this month. It says, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. This is a world of sin. And we see that around us. And God has seen it too. And he said, I'm not going to leave you in that sin, but I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you a savior who will save you from your sins. That's my promise. And that's what he did. He promised that way in the very beginning of Genesis, saying that someday someone will come in and bring you back into relationship to bring you back in the garden. And that's what we get on Christmas day. So, that's the problem, that's the promise. Now, what's the result? Christmas replaces fear with joy and peace. Joy and peace. You can't hear the Christmas story without hearing those words, right? Same with fear. Uh, Fear comes because we're lost, we're scared, right? We're threatened. The shepherds certainly had fear. Here they are minding their own business, and this angel comes out of nowhere, this bright light 
Of course you would be scared. Of course. That's a natural thought, right? But what's the angel say? Do not be afraid. I'm not come to hurt you. I'm not come to judge you. I'm not come to give you anything evil. In fact, I'm coming to give you what? Good news. Relax. I'm coming to give you good news of great joy for all people. And he announces that the Savior is going to be born. And then all the angels light up the sky. Sing praises to the Lord. Because their fear is replaced with joy. Gosh, we have so many things too that, that cause us to fear. Many things in life that are threatened. But spiritually speaking, you know this idea of being separated from God. What will happen after we die? You know, do, am I good enough uh, to earn God's favor? All these things can cause us fear, but Christmas comes and saying, don't fear. Don't be afraid because I'm bringing you good news. I'm going to take care of y'all. You know what to do. It says, uh, Jesus came not to hurt us, not to harm us, not even to judge us right here, but to show us the love of God. I love this passage in, in Luke chapter 4, just a little bit later, but now Jesus is an adult. He's, he's talking about his mission. He's reading from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim what? Good news. He comes with good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just a similar message that the angels had. That Jesus says, this is why I've come. To proclaim this good news of great joy. I'm setting people free. That's why I've come. You just see there's no judgment here. He doesn't have a sword. He's not, this is not what he's about at this point. Now when we talk about his second coming, that's going to be a little different. But right now we're still in the time of good news The good news is here that Jesus brought us peace with God. Right in verse 14, it says, When the angels, all the angels are there, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who his favor rests. Peace rests on those who are in Christ. That is good news. You know, we were at war with God. We were fighting. And then Jesus comes in as that peacemaker and just walks right across the battlefield and makes peace and gives peace to all of you so you don't have to wrestle with god you don't have to worry you don't have to fight put your weapons down and find that there's a god who loves you that's saying come come and enter into this relationship know the freedom that i give What will you do? First thing you do is you recognize, yes, I am at war. Yes, I have been fighting. And this is futile because I'm not going to win. Second thing is just to let, let down and just say, Lord, I have been against you and I have sinned. So I am surrendering. You, you promise that if, you, if I confess my sin, you will take that sin. You will uh, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You will make me a new creation. You put a new mission in my heart to know you, to love you, to enjoy you, to share that with others. 
That's the offer. Now, some of you say, but it might be a trip, a trick. Am I? There might be a trap. You know, what if I come in? What if I come in and embrace Jesus, but he has in his cloak, he has a dagger and he stabs me in my back? I'd say, one, you've been watching too many TV shows, right? Too many of those Viking shows and all that kind of stuff. There is no trick like that. But I'll tell you this that Jesus does, um, I guess it kind of is a trick because he says, you come to me, off, you know, confess your sins, and I'll forgive you. But here's the thing. Someone still has to be accountable. The sacrifice still has to be made. And instead of you, who are guilty doing it, I will do it. The one who's innocent. I will take the punishment. I will become the sacrifice, not just for you, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. And that's what Jesus did. He died so that you could go free. He died so that he could take your sins and he give you his righteousness, that you could be righteous before God. That's a great deal. So if there's any trick, that's it. That's what Jesus did. In Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we all have peace with God through our good works, our greatest behavior, our greatest sacrifice. No, 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 no. Since we've all, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens at, at Christmas. That we have experienced God's love. He has come in and said, I love you guys so much to leave you alone. And I'm going to give you a savior. And not just someone to save you here and now for this time being, only to get in trouble a little bit later. No, my son, the promised Messiah, the Lord who will come in and take the sins away so you can have peace. And that, my friends, is great joy. That's great joy. So as we look at this story at Christmas, it might seem ordinary on some ways, but it's extraordinary to the lengths that God went to show you his love. How much he loves you. And so for us today, I want us just to, to know, to know the truth, to know the truth of God's love and the depths of it. I want us to feel that love, that he has put his spirit upon us. He's changed us. He's given us a mission, and now we go and act. In, in Matthew chapter 5, remember the Beatitudes, he says, now you guys are the peacemakers. You've experienced me being, bringing peace to you, but now you're the peacemakers. Go out into this world and share this hope, share this love. Show this kindness. So in, in some ways, the person that I was talking about at the beginning just says, well, I don't know about all this. I just got to just go out and, and be kind and loving and just I'll just be my best. I mean, that is what Jesus says. He says, I want you to go love your neighbor. But we got to realize the order that Jesus first. First comes the salvation. First comes the sin. we got to deal with our sin. Then we're forgiven by sin. And then we've been made new. And now we go out and be the light and share that love with others. 
It's not either or. It's not either share the light and be kind to people or receive Jesus. It's only one way. Receive Jesus Christ, and then when you're changed, go out and bless these people. Bless this world. Show the world that Jesus Christ has come, that he's come for you. Amen?